Evening, welcome to another edition of the Jersey Podcast, the Independent Rangers Podcast by fans for fans, where all the content is absolutely free, coming to you in association with Forest Precision Engineering. I'm your host tonight, Brian Archer, and as always, we'd encourage you to get onto the Jesnet website and check out our forums for all your latest Rangers news and discussion. We've now passed the 6,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel, but as always, we would also ask that you continue to share the pod on social media, spread the word, and please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Before I introduce my guest tonight, I need to give another mention to our partners over at Forest Precision Engineering. They're a Glasgow-based engineering company who've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for a number of years, and we're delighted to have them supporting the pod. If you want more information about them, please visit their website at www.forestprecisioneng.com. They also have a stunning executive lounge in the Ibrox main stand. And for more information on that, please email the club at hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Right, now to bring in my guest. And tonight I'm joined by Stuart Weir. Stuart, how are you doing? Have you enjoyed your summer break? And are you ready for the real football to kick off again? Uh, yeah, I had thoroughly enjoyed my uh, summer summer break. I was uh, I was being complimented in my suntan there um, uh, a couple of minutes ago before we came on air. So... I, I did threaten to show you my white bits, but it's not that kind of um, podcast. But anyway, no, it's. Um, I think we're. I uh, ready for the new season. It, it it seems, you know, this this the season seems to creep up even quicker these days. Um, you know, the, the football, competitive football in Scotland, and what was you know a day after Glasgow Fair Friday takes a bit of getting used to you know it's almost as bad as playing international rugby in the middle of the summer holidays you know so it's uh, but no but I welcome a welcome arrival I have to say um, after after last season kind of petered out so uh, much to chat about in terms of what we might expect this time around yeah, definitely we'll dive straight into it I just want to get some of your thoughts on the pre-season what were the positives for you? Was there anything to be concerned about going into the season? I'm. Uh, I, I have to say, let, let me let me declare my 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 hand here. I have never ever at any time read lots into preseason. I think preseason games are about two things: new players getting to know each other and fitness levels. Um, and by fitness, I mean you know. Get yourself match sharp for the start of the season and staying away if possible from any kind of injuries. Um, and uh, you know, I, 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 I don't subscribe to these. You know, one bad result and all of a sudden you have to tear up the playbook and start with another team again. Um, I, I think these things come through time, and uh, you know. And, and pre-season friendlies or any kind of friendlies, I, I, I've avoided them like a plague over the years. Unless I was being sent on some exotic trip somewhere um, or for a couple of weeks in uh, in Italy or Norway or, you know, the Netherlands or something like that, I, I attempted to stay clear of pre-season friendlies. Again, they were just get through the motions. You would start with one team, finish with another team. Um, you know, you'd make you know, 10 changes, they'd bear no resemblance, everybody got a game and all the coach or manager would say at the end of it was, oh, you get 45 minutes under his belt there. 
45 minutes against a decent team might work for you, but 45 minutes against Ryan Camuters, you'd be as well just running around Bella Houston Park. So, um, I, 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 so concern wise, not really any concerns. I think um, if you ask me the same question after 90 minutes uh, against Kilmarnock tomorrow, I might have a, a very different answer. Yeah, and I guess that kind of touches a bit on my next question, just your general thoughts around pre-season. Do you think as fans and perhaps the media, we tend to overanalyse pre-season and particularly results? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that you know pre-season games were barely reported on, much less now when you can watch them live on TV from anywhere in the world. Do you think that's a bit of a, a hindrance, I guess, in terms of we're, we're so focused on results and performances that we kind of miss the... The true point of pre-season is all about fitness and, as you say, players getting to know each other. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, go back far enough and pre-season had a different, it was a different context to what it is now. Uh, and you can't really say, oh, it's commercialism. You know, I, I remember, you know, Rangers going to to the USA to play matches in the, the late, 60s, early 70s. I've been, uh, you know, as I say, pre-season training with them. Um, when they used to go to Choco and go there for two weeks, I never complained about that. I have to say, um, but it was, you know, I think you can over over examine um, some of the games. The, the thing is, as well, it, it's fine, to, you know, training and practicing uh, behind closed doors. At some point in time, you have to show your hand and play some some level of competitive football and depending on what the manager's trying to do or what kind of system he's trying to adopt or he's trying to introduce new players to play a different system or different roles you have to do that out in the pitch so a manager will you know i've i've known a, enough managers over the years who will say to you at the end of their team maybe losing 2-0 that was a great workout for us you know, we learned this, 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 and this. We we also learned not to do X, Y, and Z. And I think managers look at games differently from what you know what punters might look at them as, or even I have to say, the media now. The media are always looking for instantaneous uh, results and judging teams. But you could be playing against a team that that doesn't start their season for you know, three weeks after you start. So it, it's difficult to get the, the balance of where clubs are in terms of their fitness levels and just how much are running and, and you know, they've got in their lives and how much, how much work they've actually done pre-season. Um, so teams are at different levels. So it's different, difficult to gauge then what the actual results mean. Yeah, I think the perfect example of that was against Olympiacos um, in the pre-season just there, you know, if you watch the game, we got a bit of a, a bit of a chasing at times. And, you know, if you looked online, there was, you know, fans kind of ready to chuck in the towel already. <laughs> but um, Michael Beale sort of came out and, you know, he wasn't angry, he wasn't particularly upset or, or disappointed. He just said, you know what, that was a pretty good workout for us. You know, pre-season's not really about the results. We, you know, we're going to need to kind of be in these types of games where we're under the cost of it and learn how we handle it. So from that point of view, it was a good exercise, but I think it was kind of a bit surprising to most fans that he wasn't more critical of the team, but I think he got the balance spot on, to be honest, in what he said. Listen, I, 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 I'll, I'll reiterate it, you know, it, it's like, 
it doesn't matter the results you get in pre-season friendlies, where the games are played, who the opposition is. Everything comes down to the first whistle sounding in your first league match and then you can gauge where you're at in terms of new players, in terms of a new look to the team. And also um, just you know what your intent might be for the new season. I think if you end up with this, and, and we've seen it, you know, in the past, you know, Rangers either losing games or drawing their first match, um, you know, this season, and it's doom, gloom, and despair. I think tomorrow, if anything, a win is, in, you know, it's imperative. But I think all in all, you'd be looking for Rangers to win this game and do it with a bit of style and also do it in such a way that it's not like a, you know, a mad dash to the end to, to win 2-1. You, you'd like to see Rangers taking, um, you know, taking a team apart in the opening game of the season so you've actually got something to build upon. And it's a well since that's actually happened. You know, I can think, I can think some of the, the, the car crashes that Rangers have had over the years in the opening games of the season, so that's something to avoid. Yeah, definitely. Well, just said that we potentially over analysed pre season, so let's over analyse some of the new signings. <laughs> um, already. Um, have any of them stood out for you in terms of what we've seen so far? Ben, I mean, we can't read too much into it, but just on what we've seen so far, have any of them stood out for you? I think, I think the guy that's going to be under the most uh, scrutiny, Brian, is going to be Jack Butland. Um, simply because of who he's replacing and um, you know, for a, a, a season and a, a maybe even a season and a bit, I'd been saying that that ultimately Rangers were going to have to go and get a goalkeeper. There was obviously McCrory wasn't being trusted the way he should have been if he was the new kid in the block. I never saw McLaughlin as being the option to replace uh, you know McGregor. And to be honest, McGregor, even though some of his performances were 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 decent. I thought over the last couple of seasons he might have had a mistake in him, you know, and judgment calls weren't quite as defined or definite as they, they maybe should have been. So Butland comes up with a, a reputation of having, you know, previously been at Manchester United and and, and again, regardless of where you are in the pecking order at Manchester United, if you make it a to a club of that stature and what they're trying to do, somebody somewhere must must rate you, you know. And I think you know here's a guy, an England internationalist, um, had, was a a, a cert for Stoke City for a, a period of time, played in the Olympic Games, always seemed to be. Um, just one step away from really establishing himself at dif in different places, be that with England, and then getting, you know, he'd had various injuries and the likes. He's now age 30. You would hope all of that was behind him. And he's still relative uh, in, in goalkeeping terms, young enough to really make his mark and really establish himself. I mean, we could be sitting here uh, in 10 years, maybe I won't be, but anyway, we could be sitting uh, in 10 years still saying, you know, wasn't Butland uh, a disappointment or wasn't Butland a great signing? And, you know, there's a long legacy of goalkeepers who arrived at Ibrox and made the, the number one shirt theirs and people, you know, still refer to them and you still look at 
if you like, generations or period within the, the Rangers history down as, as who the goalkeeper is. You know, you had the kind of Chris Woods years and the Gorham years, you know, that, that kind of thing. Stephen Kloss, McGregor. So the goalkeeper's important, you know, to the team. But the, the goalkeeper can also make a statement in terms of just how successful the team are because there's very few goalkeepers I remembered during unsuccessful periods, if you see what I mean. Um, so if if Rangers are successful, a lot of it's down to how the goalkeeper performs. And I, and I think Butland is at an age and at a time in his career where he needs a couple of big seasons to, to re-establish himself and make his mark. Yeah, it's interesting to pick up Butland. One of the things that's kind of impressed me so far with him is he does seem to be a commanding presence, which I think it's obviously important for a goalkeeper, but I think it's more so important for a Rangers goalkeeper because of how much emphasis we place on that position. You know, you've mentioned the ball there in terms of the, the goalkeepers of the past. You know, he's following in the line of some really top-class goalkeepers, so you need to have that kind of self-confidence and self-assuredness about you to, to really take on, on that position. And from what I've seen so far, I've been pretty impressed. He's, I mean, he does. He's got his stature. You know, he's he's six foot five, and I was I was having a, a, a laugh on on Twitter the other day. There was a photograph of Sheffield United and Alan Hodgkinson. You know, there was a goalkeeper who was played six hundred games for Sheffield United, and I think he'd be lucky if he made five foot eight. You know, so goalkeepers. I, I think you're looking for goalkeepers to have a presence. Not just a presence in the goal. You're looking for for a goalkeeper to um, use that kind of height advantage and that kind of stature. It's pointless having a six foot five goalkeeper if he's not going to dominate his six yard box. And I think that's been one of the failings in over a, a number of seasons for Rangers that the goalkeepers just haven't dominated that particular area. Um, and and you're looking for that kind of assured performance and that confidence and and in effect you're looking for guys to dominate that area and and that kind of rubs off the rest of the team so you know i, I think you as andy goran once said you're only as good as your last uh cock up as a, as a rangers goalkeeper um, I hope we, we hope we keep setting a minimum, but you, you're always under the limelight and under the spotlight simply because you're the last line, and everybody sees what your mistakes are. If you're the striker or you know winger and you make a blunder, it's you get another chance in another five minutes. Do that as a goalkeeper, you may not get another chance for another two games. Um, you know to to um re-establish their kind of reputation and, and shake off any mistakes that you make. So there's a lot riding in Butland this season. Yeah, definitely. I think the early signs are promising there. Now, is there any areas in the team that you think still could do with some strengthening? I know we've brought in you know, an influx of players. I think that's nine we're up to so far, but is there still any areas in the team that you think we could do with one or two additions? Well, if you're a big enough budget, you can get and sign an entire team again, couldn't you? But I, 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 listen, I, I think you have to be playing competitive matches to see, first of all, the guys that you're signed, how they're going to contribute for the season, and also who who are the guys that are going to come and find that they are comfortable playing at Ibrooks in front of fifty thousand people, and they're comfortable with the expectation levels. At Rangers, you know, 
uh, people will say, well, there's, you know, think of the, the, Ibrox, or the teams at Ibrox that have won championships and trophies and all the rest of it. Trust me, there's a lot of pressure on if you're a defending champion. There's even more pressure on if you're going to try and you know, make a break, have a breakthrough season and win something. And this, the scrutiny and examinations that go on for these guys will be non-stop right through the entire season. Some guys will just fit in and you'll be saying, you know, he looks as if he's been playing here for two or three years. Others might struggle with, you know, to, to either fit in with the system or fit in with new teammates or fit in with the roles that they're given. So there's a lot to take on board not just for the players, but for the fans as well over the first couple of games. And it'll be interesting to see the guys that make their mark quickly and settle down quickly. Um, for ulti ultimately, they'll, they'll be the guys that will be deemed a success. If you put, you know, if you're able to put um, a couple of worldly performances together, then you'll be an instant hit. But I think most folk are looking for guys that turn out every week and get 7 out of 10 or 8 out of 10 and you're guaranteed a performance out of them. Yeah, I think it's kind of crucial that we, the majority of these incomings really kind of settle as quick as possible in jail with the teammates and we can kind of get off to the best start we can, but which Just isn't the, always easy bringing in so many no, players. And I think, I think uh, if, you know, sort of, if you look at look at Butland and, and what's expected of him, I think the fact that, you know, that Rangers have been falling over themselves to try and sign strikers. You know who who will emerge as the 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 number one striker or the best striker. Who will be the guy that will get the goals um, over the, the the coming season? I think one or two have been um, the flatter to deceive. Let's say in in recent times, the last two or three seasons have come in. They've they've looked okay. They've looked as if they could do a you know do the, the, the team a turn, and then have just petered out. Um, but I think there are very few teams ultimately that are successful who don't have somebody who's guaranteed to be scoring goals. You know, guaranteed for twenty or twenty five or thirty goals a season. There's not many teams. Um, I mean, Rangers have done it in the past, where you know you've got you maybe four three or four guys all scoring a dozen goals and the goals were spread out throughout the team. But I think ultimately teams that are successful have got one goal scorer or, or a couple of guys that are really finding the net on a regular basis. And I think, again, that will be something that, you know, whereby by, uh, Michael Beale's signings will be judged and how many goals they might get and, and what their kind of return rate is. Yeah, I think Michael Wills actually kind of said that, that we, we need players to chip in from different areas. We can't be so reliant on a sole goal scorer as we had been with Morelos in past years. Or oh, oh, James Tavenier. Yeah, yeah, well, it's interesting. He's still top, top goal scorer in a pre-season. Yeah. We don't overanalyze pre-season, though. That's not important. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a nice cop-out from you there. But no, I mean, uh, just to pick up again on what you're saying there, you know, the... The, the, the guys, uh, you know, for instance, going back to uh, like Morelos or going back several seasons when you'd like say Chris Boyd or, or whoever it might be or McCoyst, these guys were, were hitting the back of the net at, you know, a, a real rate of knots. And, and again, that's what you're actually looking for to, to, to help the team, but also 
to 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 build, uh, you know, to build what the team's capable of doing. That if you've got a, a focal point in the team that you know if he's in a certain position, he's going to score goals for you, then it makes everybody else's job a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, people can contribute right through the team. But if you've got a guy taking, you know, one chance out of every three that's made for him, as opposed to one chance in ten, then you've got a, a much better chance of your season being successful. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who kind of steps forward out of that group of strikers that um, have come in to see who kind of takes that kind of main main striker berth as their own. Well, who, who do you think? Who do you think the main striker is then? I mean, uh, I think uh, you'll go. I think you'll go with two. I think you'll go with Dessers and Danilo as a partnership. I think he'll play a diamond in midfield and he'll be two up front with um, Dessers and Danilo. I think that'll be kind of how he'll play it. I think they two can link up well. I think you've kind of got Dessers is quite a physical presence up there and Danilo seems quite skillful and quite a good touch. Um, I think they could they could link up really well. I mean, I, I mean your, your take on it isn't too dissimilar from, you know, I've always... It takes somebody exceptional to be a lone striker, if you if you see what I mean. It, it takes somebody, you know, really to be um, um, a, a, a really exceptional player to play up front himself and and take on that pressure and take on that man to being the goal scorer. It's always easier. I always think you get you know double the chances of scoring twice as many goals if you've got two strikers as opposed to one. And I think also. It shows a bit of confidence in your team. However, in saying that, I think the pragmatism has all has been in in recent times. If you're only playing one guy through the middle, it means that there's another five guys in the midfield or in supporting roles. That means that you're, you know, you might be more difficult to break down. You know, I, I've I've never I've ne- I understand the kind of you know being defensive minded, but equally. Games are far easier to win if you're scoring goals first and foremost, and I think sometimes you you need to take the shackles off and and go for broke and try and score goals and beat teams by the amount of goals you score, and not because you hang on for grim death at the end and you're able to defend or not defend as the case has been. Yeah, definitely. I think domestically we need to be kind of um, up in our numbers in terms of goals scored. I think Michael Beale said that himself. Um, and I think at the end of the day, that's the reason why we've invested so much in the forward areas. Um, but we've touched on the kind of incomings, just chat a bit about kind of rumours of outgoings. Now, over the last week, there's been rumours of Kamara, Sakala, Wright, possibly Davis, all being available for transfer. Would you be inclined to retain any of them or are there any others that you think should be moved on first? I don't think, I, I, I think it's a bit of a kind of balancing act here, Brian, that there are guys that you that you'd be open to offers for, but equally you don't want to deplete the squad, you know, too significantly. I think you still want to keep a, a, a level of kind of depth and a number of players available to you. But there, definitely, there's one or two that you would you maybe want to see off the off the the, the payroll, if only to to invest somewhere else. Or, or bring in, you know, bring in another player in a, in a specific position. I, I don't think, you know, I, I think every player has a every player at any club has got a price. I think what Rangers' expectations level might be for some of these guys might be slightly unrealistic. Let's say, 
I think, and then you've got to make a decision. Are you selling these guys for profit or are you selling these guys just to give yourself, get them off the wage bill, save your money to basically, you know, exploit elsewhere? I, I think it'll be one or two more will will go. I, I wouldn't be hurrying anybody out the door too quickly, but I, I think it'll be understood that Ibrox that it might be that there's other players out there that Rangers might want to bring in before the end of the transfer window. And the only way they're going to do that is to reduce the wage bill. Yeah, I think as you say, it's a balancing act. You don't want to um, sell too many, but we need, they probably need to do offload some to. Um, make room for potentially others we want to bring in and also give the ones that we have brought in a, a kind of chance you never want to be too top heavy in your squad otherwise you end up a bit like Chelsea of last season although, I, although, although I remember no, I, I, although I do remember uh, sort of Martin Warburton um, trying to you know bring Rangers squad down to what he described as being lean and mean and it looked so lean you were down to the bone at times um so i think you know i, I think there's players there that that the rangers would be open to offers for but um equally i think there's maybe one or two that if they offer come in they would go but they're not being hurried out the door yeah i think that's probably spot on to be honest um now what are the game on saturday first game of the season away to Kilmarnock. On that dreaded plastic pitch, probably not. I, I one that we would carpet. Have <laughs> I, I the carpet. I the carpet. It always reminds me of years ago, the sticky carpets you used to get in certain night spots that you would just stick to it and you'd be trying to move or trying to walk or trying to break dance across and nothing would happen. It, it always looks um, for me that there's some of the some of the players are decidedly. Um, you know, Bambi-esque on these surfaces. They just don't trust where their footing's going to go. Uh, and maybe rightly so, but, uh, you know, I, I I think it's always at the back of their minds that they're not playing and, you know, it's an artificial surface. And how long will it take them to get used to it? Uh, you know, I, I think other teams cope with it admirably and other teams are able to get results and have been able to get results yeah. at places like Hamilton and Livingston and, and Kilmarnock over the years with great regularity. So it might be just the mindset. I think maybe if Rangers went out trying to win this game, you know, quickly uh, and, and get the challenge of Kilmarnock reduced as quick as possible, I think they might find it a hell of a lot easier to play in that kind of surface then. Yeah, I do wonder if we can over-egg the surface a bit. I assume that we have similar surfaces at the training centre, so you would, one would wonder if we're not uh, yeah, but they, but on they, that surface but, in the lead-up to the game. But it's like saying that the, 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 wee, the wee rubber beads yeah. that Rangers use are different from the rubber beads that they use it somewhere else. You know, I've, I, I don't know. I've, I've, never, I've never got a micrometer out and, and measured the size of the, 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 the beads. Listen... It is what it is. I don't think anybody should be playing in that kind of surface. Um, fine if you're a small town club um, and you need to use the pitch for other things and other sports and the likes. But I think if you're in the top fight in Scottish football, all games should be played in grass. I don't care how good your your it's G two, G three, three G, four G, you know, eight G or whatever you want. I think ultimately football should be played in grass. Yeah, definitely. Taking the pitch aside, do you think this could be a bit of a culture shock for some of the new players in terms of Kelly's style? We know how we'll play. They'll, they'll make it physical. They'll make it a battle. 
um, you know, they're not going to come and play any pretty stuff. They'll they'll get in our faces, get in about us. This could be a bit of a culture shock for some of the new players who are maybe used to playing in slower leagues where you get a bit more time in the ball and you don't really get that up here if you're um, playing for Rangers and going away to a Kilmarnock or a Livingston. I think it could be a culture shock, Brian, for some of the players and how vociferous the away support is for Rangers. I think um, some of them have the, had the luxury of you know, having a, a a honeymoon period where, yeah, your new guy's coming in, let's see what you can do. I think, you know, at half past five, you know, tomorrow night, I think all that changes the demand, the level and, the, you know, the demand and the levels of performance uh, will, will go up markedly. And I think one or two of them might find out the hard way that if they're not really performing exactly what the fans think of them, and maybe that's what maybe that's what's needed, and that's what it takes. Because I think sometimes there've been guys running about, you know, in the last couple of seasons, um, thinking I play for Rangers. You know, I'm above all of this criticism. Where actually, no, there's been better players over the years than than you'll ever be have been criticised by the Rangers support. And as I say, the demands on those players has always been great. Some step up to the mark, others don't. Yeah, I think it will definitely be an interesting uh, welcome to uh, Scottish football for them. Um, the, before we finish up, sure, I'm going to ask you for a score prediction for Saturday night. Uh, I think I think Rangers will win 2-0. I'll take that. They win 2-0 and um, Tavernier scores both goals and then you'll be back next week wondering who the goals are going to come from up front because your new found striking partners didn't actually manage to, to, to score any goals. Um, no, I, I think I'm, you know, I'm eagerly anticipating some of the guys that, I, I think Rangers have made some good signings listen they're never going to sign the worldies that they once did um, or the, the guys with the fantastic reputations but I do think there's a lot of work that's going on in the background in terms of the scouting of these players and now we'll see whether the scouting system's up to it never mind the players that it's managed to recruit yeah a 2-0 win with Tavernier scoring both would uh, suit me just fine. On the opening day of the season, I'll take a 2-0 win with two own goals, to be honest. It's just, for me, it's just a win, <laughs> at, a win at all costs in the opening open game of the season for me. Um, right, I think we'll call it time there. Big thanks to my guest Stuart for his great insight as always. As well as being live tonight, um, the show will be available on all podcasting platforms tomorrow. So we'll be on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher all the usual platforms, and we'd ask that you leave us a rating on your preferred podcasting app. Um, the pod will be back as usual Sunday evening slot. I think it's myself, Ian and Collins. We'll be back to look back from all the action on the weekend's match. Until next time, bye for now.